0: Welcome to the Anxiety at Work podcast. I'm Chester Elton, and this is my co-author
1: and dear friend, Adrian Gostick. We hope that the time you're going to spend with us will help remove the stigma of anxiety and mental health in the workplace and your personal life. And we invite experts from the world of work and life to give us ideas, and most importantly, tools to deal with anxiety in our world.
0: Our sponsor for our podcast is Life Guides. Uh, Life Guides is a community of trained and certified guides who provide guidance in 400 plus topics of personal growth, lifelong learning, and life challenges. They're a company that offers advice in every aspect of your life, a personal guide to walk you through all those uncertainties. And because you're listening to our podcast, you get two months free access for your team today. All you have to do is enter code 2422 at checkout. We love their mission. Uh, They want to impact the lives of over a billion people in the next 15 years. So it's Life Guides. Remember, at checkout, put in code 2422. 22, and you'll get two months free
1: access for your team today. Our guest today is our new friend, Allison Horstmeyer. Uh, Dr. Horstmeyer is a former Fortune 500 business executive who now bridges corporate ac- and academia, focused on bringing an integrative biopsychosocial practice to professional development. Allison works with clients focused on leadership, mindset development, healthy team interdynamics and performance, and agile experimentation. She is Managing Principal of Intrinsic Curiosity and an adjunct faculty for the USC Marshall School of Business Office of Executive Education. She holds a PhD in Integrative Health Sciences from Saybrook University and an MBA from the USC Marshall School of Business. Go Trojans. So welcome to the show, Allison, and we're delighted to have you on the podcast.
2: Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you, too.
1: Well, you're considered really one of the pioneering researchers in this in this idea of curiosity. So, we'd love you to walk us through some of your findings about the role of curiosity in innovation, and especially we're interested in in how you can how you can be curious and not create more anxiety as you're doing that. How you can how you can tamp down anxiety and still create an innovative environment.
2: Yeah, it's a great question, I, and I think intuitively. In the workplace specifically, and, and probably in general, we, we intuitively connect curiosity as a gateway to innovation. And if we just want to level set in terms of understanding what curiosity entails and what has been empirically supportive supported is there are four dimensions to curiosity. Essentially, there's an aspect of not knowing. So something, right, you have a knowledge gap, something happens in your world that's kind of an unexpected curveball. I think we've been living in that for the last two years. Uh, And then there's this aspect of exploration, like you actually go do and explore. Uh, You're seeking information, you're seeking an experience. And then there's an aspect of openness. So um, we, we need to be open to the inputs and the reference points that are coming into us and figuring out how to integrate those. And then there's this aspect that's uh, more emergent in the research uh, called stress tolerance, and that is managing the doubt, uh, confusion, anxiety along the way. Because let's face it, an innovation, the definite innovation is something that is uh, novel, and useful and that is going to take an iterative process and why i love the idea of agile experimentation and being agile with our uh, with our testing, so thinking more of an MVP approach, a minimum viable product approach, whether that's something yourself you're testing or working with a company. Through that iteration, we are essentially inviting us to explore the unknown and to get some information and some inputs. And I think with innovation, we give ourselves more permission to experiment and test. And because we're allowing ourselves to experiment and test, we are actually building our stress tolerance because we don't know what we're going to find. It may work out, it may not. But we also are setting it up in the parameters of of knowing that something might not work out And then we might take a learning from it. And so I believe that it's this constant iteration that we give ourselves permission to in order to get to something that is both novel and useful, that is actually increasing our stress tolerance and managing our anxiety. And there's really no other way to to do innovation. Like you're not going to get it right out the gate. And isn't that a great concept and learning for pretty much anything in our lives? (laughs) <laughs> which I, <I'm, laughs> which I'm sure you can connect to, uh, right?
0: So, Allison, you say we need a new and diverse reference points uh, to build our resilience. Oh, can you explain that? What do you mean by that?
2: Yeah. So it's a little bit of what we touched on before in the innovation question. Um, if you think about um, the fact, and and, and you know, I, I hate to be cliche, but there's so much value in it. There, there is no growth in comfort. Uh, comfort, right? Unfortunately, we, can, we just can't keep doing uh, the same things over and over again and expect uh, to get a different outcome. It's just not possible. And in innovation, we are experimenting and testing and, and almost giving ourselves permission to iterate. And so I would love for us to give ourselves that permission pretty much for anything that we are wanting to try. In our in our lives, I, I think there's this concept that whenever we have to uh, do something that's a bit different, we have to get it right out the gate. Or even even defining whatever "get it right" means and looks like could totally be um, a narrative that we have self-created. And so, um, the what I see in my research and what I see when I'm working with my executives is that. We have to view our evolution as a practice. And inherently in the practice is experimentation. And there's a methodical way to do the practice. I'm not asking you to quit your job today, move to a completely different country, and try something new, right? We're asking you to stretch in in ways that are manageable for you. Because when we do it in manageable ways, we have a higher likelihood of uh, entering our flow states. And flow states, as we know, are when we are a deep, immersive states that really nur- nurture us and feed us in a way um, that other states don't. And what the invitation is, is the only way we're going to get new data and reference points is if we try things out. And just the fact of trying those out and sometimes they're going to work and sometimes they are not. Just even having that experience and going through that experience, that's a reference point. You just had another reference point, and you got an outcome, which is another reference point. And if you keep doing that in incremental steps, which is often what we do in executive coaching, right? We have a behavior we want to tr- we want to change. We ask the executive to go try something out in their role or with their team, or maybe we're coaching someone who's having um, a situation with their partner. You know, is there a different approach you can to engage with that partner? And you have, you, you try it out and you have a different experience. And so what fundamentally we have to recognize is that there is really no other way to get new reference points. And we want those because then we get to build new neural connections. And we know we can build new neural connections in our brains till the day we die. There is that is a complete myth that we can't teach a, an old dog new tricks. It's a total myth. That's I hope we bust that myth forever. So um, there you go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I'm I'm glad to hear that because I'm considering myself a fairly old dog <laughs> at this point. So that's that's good to know. Hey, you you said something that really piqued my interest when you first started to talk about these reference points, and that is, so often people want to get it right right out of the box. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and when we wrote our book, Anxiety at Work, we, we dealt a lot with perfectionism. Yes. How that caused a lot of anxiety, particularly in like millennials and, mm-hmm. and Gen Z. Are, are you seeing that be more of a generational thing about, I'm going to try something new, but if I'm not good at it right away, I'm I'm going to give up on it. Any insights there?
2: Yeah, you know. The perfection thing is so limiting, right? It's it it creates such a rigid way of living. And when we get rigid, that, as you guys know from your research in your book, when we're rigid, we, our anxiety goes up because something is not meeting an expectation we had set. Um, and it has to be a certain way. It has to be this way or that way. And that's also when our cognitive biases kick in. So, uh, I definitely see the tyranny of the or in those generations, right? It has to be this or that. It can only be this way or that way. And that's it. And that's when your anxiety uh, peaks. So my invitation is always, can you replace the or with an and and see what happens, see what possibilities come forward. Um, And I also see it too for women in, in highly male dominated industries, right? There's a whole different level of what, what we should, what, in what ways we should be really acting and, 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 you know, did we step too far? Do we have to work harder than everybody else? And, um, there's a lot of work in, you know, I didn't get that meeting perfect. I didn't get that presentation perfect. It, you know, if, if our male counterparts did not get it perfect, it's fine. <laughs> So let's all adopt Mm -hmm. the same rules of engagement. Um, And I think what your question is fundamentally asking, Jester, is, you know, what kind of psychological safety can we be creating for these folks?
1: Right. Really. Oh, and absolutely. Right. I love that, too. Just everything you've talked about so far is so fascinating. The people we talk to who have anxiety, which is now a third of the workforce, they say we love our ruts. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we just love to be in our rut and don't get me out of my rut. But they know they, they shouldn't. And the idea is how do you invite them out versus pushing them out, which is never going to work. Mm-hmm. So I love what you're doing. I think that comes to my next question. I wanted to ask you about this idea of compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, your research says we should act more compassionately with each other. You know, sometimes we want to do that. We want to, you know, you better get comfortable being uncomfortable, Allison. <laughs> well, I, I may never feel that yeah. way. So how do, you, yeah. how do you deal with this compassionately?
2: Right. Telling someone is never going to work, right? And so in the research and in my work and uh, and the researchers that I stand on the shoulders of who are, who are wonderful curiosity researchers, um, we are now starting to connect curiosity in the realm of interpersonal dynamics and that it can actually be a gateway to being more empathetic, to collaboration to trust, because if I'm curious about what is really going on with the other person, and I'm the explorer, I'm putting my assumptions and biases and preconceived notions to the side, and I'm really curious, right, inquisitive and receptive, that's the other thing, being receptive to what I hear with what's going on with the other person, then I can start helping them see Potential other possibilities to pursue. I had this conversation yesterday with an executive who struggles with anxiety connected to uh, AHD, uh, uh, right? So, um, and we, we talked about how it manifests for him like, how does anxiety come up? And then we talked about strategies. You know, I didn't, I didn't say, oh, wow, like, you have to do it this way. I wanted to know, like, what, what's the experience for you when you're feeling that? Like, how does it show up in work? And what are some strategies we can think about that you could put in place? And really, we we learned that it was about helping him to manage expectations, right, uh, with others. So he didn't feel like he had to be always on responding. And then he's, he's moving around from topic to topic. Um, how can he tune in to... The uh, And he's very intuitive. He's like off the charts intuitive. Like, how can he use his intuition to tune in with what the person really needs to hear and the way he wants to hear it? How can he coach his team? And so, you know, um, and he felt like as we were talking, he's like, wow, I just feel like things are starting to settle down. And it would never worked if I said, hey, you know what? I think you should do this on your schedule. How about this? Like, you know, I, it would never, it would not, ne- he would never have heard me. It would never have felt supportive. And, and I think that if we can start watching our tendencies and just invite conversation and, and exploration, like, you don't know really what's going on with this other person. We don't know. We don't know what your narrative is, you don't know what my narrative is and let's let's use curiosity as the pause to find out.
0: You know what's really interesting about what you say that is being in a state of curiosity makes you more empathetic, mm-hmm. doesn't it? It makes you more it, because you're saying, "Hey, there's something a little off here or there's something I don't know here, so let's dig a little deeper and it seems to me that when you're in a state of curiosity you're you're in a more empathetic state. Did I get that right?
2: Yeah because just just think about if if you're if you're open to really understanding what's going on with that person then naturally well hopefully and what I see is that what curiosity does it's it touches our humanity right you are now willing to connect to that person in a different way and and see things differently it's curiosity actually invites us to change our perspectives based on what we're hearing right so I often invite executives uh, to listen with the intention that what they hear changes what they do listen with the intention right instead of going in with I gotta know the answer I have to prove myself it's a very me stance when we use curiosity as a gateway to empathy it's a very much a we stance
0: that's that's really interesting so where can we find more about your work where would you send people to get yeah. more of uh, dr. Allison? <laughs>
2: You can go to my website which is drallisonh.com d r a l i s o n h.com
0: Excellent. You know, uh conformity is another idea that you bring up as well. Um let's face it conformity can help some people feel more calm, you know, I'm part of the group, I'm part of the tribe, right? Um what 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 have you found in your research about the concept of conformity, helpful or not helpful and where does it fit?
2: Um so I, I agree with you that there are aspects of conformity when we use conformity in the service of the collective. It makes sense, right? Wear your masks in a pandemic, for example. The, the conformity that we see, though, um, I think creates more polarization and more anxiety. Uh, I'll just take it in the in the workplace because that's where I see it. So we have... We have organizational norms that tend to be about self-preservation and when we we have and when we have values like conformity security tradition in the research we know that these are actually anxiety inducing values because they're about self-preservation right survival like I'm trying to stay safe I don't want things to change my anxiety is going to go up Uh, I am being prescribed how to behave, so therefore I have no autonomy, no ability to build my competency, and I have limited availability to uh, build connection with others. Those are basic psychological needs that we all need for thriving. And when those are not met, our anxiety goes up. And in the research, we see that conformity has an inverse relationship to openness to change. So the more conformity, the lower you're going to be to openness to change. And in that way, we also know in the research that more conformity can lead to lower well-being for the, for the reasons I just explained. So imagine, Adrian, you were you were trying to do something. You were trying to really express your talents, gifts, and abilities. And the environment around you was like, no, do it this way. I mean ha-
1: oh that's So Chester. That is <laughs> So <laughs> Chester. Yeah. And,
2: and and there's and the only reason and maybe one of the fundamental reasons they're saying do it this way is because they haven't had the experience of doing it the way that you're recommending. So they don't know. They don't have the reference point, right? Comes back to their reference point.
1: Yeah, you're listening, Chester. <laughs>
0: I'm taking notes. Seriously, I'm uh, writing this all down. So
2: no. so that that is where I have trouble with conformity because it's not used in a way that can foster, um, a, a, that can foster the normalization of experimentation, and this is why I would love for us to start leaning into being more of the explorer than having to be the expert all the time, right? Having to get it right, know the answers. That's 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 what conformity tends to support is more of that expert mindset.
0: You know, I I just want to jump in here really quick, you you know, and this might be a little dangerous area to go in. You always say don't talk about religion and politics, but (laughs) as 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 you're seeing the the country, and we're talking about the United States at this point, this this divide, this polarization. Can you write off a lot of that to conformity? That people say, "Well, I'm this, and you're that, and we're never going to explore mm-hmm. where we have common ground." Is that? Kind and
1: of if a- you could bring religion into the yeah. <laughs> answer, too, that would be really. Well, you cool. I, I didn't
0: <laughs> mention any particular party or person. I'm just, I, I I'm finding that dynamic really yeah. interesting. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, it is a loaded question, and I think Adam Grant did a great job in his book, uh, Think Again, to address kind of what is underneath that polarization. And he actually did, he did studies on how we could get folks who were deeply ingrained in a belief. And he, I think he even did it with sports, uh, like baseball teams and other things. But just to show that um, there's a way to invite conversation. And it's not to say that you have to agree with the other person. I'm not saying, Lily, let's all agree with each other. What we are saying is, can you can you come from a place of curiosity versus uh, self-preservation, uh-huh, right? And fundamentally, under that polarization, is somebody is really tightly trying to preserve something that may or may not be. Really, what the country needs today, what people need today—they're holding on tradition, <laughs> security, and conformity. So, um, I think what you're saying is, how can we start having a mindset? Which is hard. It's hard not to feel afraid when things are different. It's hard not to feel anxious when things are changing so rapidly. When you know the speed of technology is moving faster than we can keep up with it and understand how it can help us. It's hard to not feel afraid that I'm living in a world that maybe doesn't represent what I what I knew of the world ten years ago. But what a great opportunity to live differently, and to see what today and going forward can offer us. So I don't have the answer on how to bridge that. I think that there are people who are doing remarkable work that, you know, they they go and they talk to um, people who are very conservative and try to really understand that. I think it's just coming to an understanding and then we have to come and align agendas. I think this is where we always get stuck. We can't align because we're so convinced that our it's it's our it has to be our way
1: and I love that idea of approaching from curiosity, which is your expertise. I love that idea of we're explorers, look we're not experts, even on the simple things in yeah. life. So where's curiosity going to take you next in in the research? Where do you think the the future uh, will take you and your research? Uh, What Adrian is saying is we're curious as to what's next.
2: (laughs) I I love the question. And there, you know, uh, I do get so there. So emerging in the research is a connection between our core values and curiosity. I would love to explore that further because it goes back to your conformity question. We have certain values, you know, values inform our behavior. Is more than knowledge and data so if we can understand the connection between values and curiosity then maybe we can understand um, better that it's not if we're curious it's how and how we're curious let's see if the different ways we can leverage that and it might give us a deeper understanding about why people behave um, in in certain ways uh, in terms of uh, that when they leverage their curiosity or not the the other way is really um, how how can we use curiosity to transcend our self narratives. I really want I mean, I, I love seeing doing that kind of work, I had to really work hard and be curious this week myself <laughs> to, to, to transcend some narratives, let me tell you. Um, so even the researchers uh, have to practice what they preach. And I think that's always the great thing about research. You're like, wow, I don't know if, if I was really that curious. Maybe I should try <laughs> being more, right? So it's transformational in that aspect. But, you know, can, can we use our curiosity to really help us transcend our narratives um and and you know what are the interventions that that could be created to do that that you know that build on what what we have today
0: that'll be a fascinating read and we look forward to it you know uh we're talking to dr allison horstmeyer and so many wonderful nuggets here so here's the personal question you said hey i need to use this to overcome my own personal narratives (laughs) we're always curious about Your practices to keep yourself in in that curiosity mode, keep yourself psychologically safe, emotionally Mm -hmm. safe. What are are some of your practices? Do you have some rituals or things that you, mantras, meditation? The time is yours Enlighten us.
2: I do. I would say yes, yes, and yes. Um, I really try to create the space to set the intention in the morning. So much of... Curiosity, or or just how you want to show up, is connection to both intention and attention. And I think when we when we set an intention of you know how we want to show up that day or that week, that helps us to direct our attention to support that. Um, I'm a I'm a big yogi. I'm a certified yoga teacher, so I have to move. Movement has always been a part of my life. I, I grew up as a classically trained ballet dancer. And, um, so yoga is... You too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see your pointe shoes. Um, and so... Alive,
1: plie. Yeah. Yes.
2: So, uh, yoga and, you know, like yesterday I had to get outside. Fortunately, I live near the ocean. I had to go, you know, go to get a workout or run by so I could see the water connect to nature. Connecting to nature is really powerful. So those things... And, um, and sometimes you just need to take a break. I mean, I had this conversation with an executive yesterday, like, you know, I think in, in all of this, uh, especially the last two years is like recognizing the the power of the pause, like take a break. Like, take a break, reset, go connect with a loved one, go connect with a friend. I do, you know, my boyfriend and I are trying to really, we're both working crazy hours, but we're really trying to make time for each other to, to foster that connection. Um, I mean, all the research supports that how important social connections are for every stage of life. So, um, and that is also integrated into to my my... Uh, modalities and yeah, I think I think those are really the the core ones for me.
0: Just one one quick follow up question. I was I was talking to someone literally just yesterday uh, in the city in New York City. She was talking about you know privilege. And you said, "Hey, I live close to the ocean. I can go for a walk. I can go for a run. I can connect." And you know, I grew up in Vancouver, and, and the, the, just the sound of the ocean and the waves is. What do you do for people that don't have that kind of privilege? Do you have a recommendation of one practice where they can kind of, maybe connect? Because not all of us can go for a walk in the woods, right? Not all of us can go for a walk by the ocean.
2: I think it's it's. I think it's going to be different for each person. So, is is journaling therapeutic is is drawing and and um you know creating something uh therapeutic is just connecting with family and friends is that is does that give an opportunity for um having having a, a shared space with like-minded individuals that can support you um I think that you're absolutely right. I mean I was I was having a conversation with my boyfriend about this about the inequity of green spaces in right. those areas. And you know, is is there an opportunity for for us to really start figuring out ways how to start introducing more more of those green spaces in the areas? And yes, I, I am privileged and I would love to see more equity about that. Um, especially when it comes to nature, like bringing in the green, because of the, all the research, it says just, just being able to look at the green can help us, uh, calm down. So I absolutely, uh, know what you're saying.
1: Love that, Allison, And thank you yeah, so much for all your insights today. This has just been such a rich conversation. I've taken pages of notes. So <laughs> if you uh, had to give our listeners just one or two takeaways today, what, what would that be?
2: Mm. throw the throw away the idea of perfect (laughs) please right uh perfect perfect is so limiting it will never serve you and um just take what is one thing you've been wanting to try that may not be like a huge you know it doesn't have to be a huge step but just just go try it and see what happens
0: Love it. Love it. Hey, thank you so much for being our guest today. This has been a delight to talk with you. As Adrian says, I've got notes all over the place, scribblings, and we look forward to your next research and uh, about curiosity. What a, what a wonderful way to start your weekend with the Anxiety Work podcast and Dr. Allison Horstmeyer. So thanks for being a guest.
2: Thank you so much. Great to be here with you.
1: Okay, Chess, hey, a great conversation with Dr. Allison Horsmeyer, one of the really foremost thinkers on curiosity. Um, Love what she had to say. What were some of your takeaways? Well,
0: I'm with you. You know, I never thought of curiosity as a way to, like, tamp down anxiety, build better relationships, you know, experiment uh, more with your life. I I loved when she said, you got to throw away perfectionism, that so often we want to try something new. If we're not good at it right away, we won't do it. I, you know, I see this in my grandkids, right? Hey, let's go play basketball. Uh, I wasn't really good right away. Uh, but keep
1: at it. You know, keep, keep experimenting. Well, they're two feet tall. I think that's, that's, a law. that's a really tall basket. Yeah. I know. You know, because what I, and I love that she's saying is that as we experiment and as we test, we build our stress tolerance that we were talking about. You know, sometimes anybody who has anxiety, it's like we, we want to be comfortable but life isn't about comfort and, and you have to push yourself sometimes out of there, not dramatically, but just a little bit to build that stress tolerance, right? Yeah. She said, there's no growth
0: in comfort yeah. I, I, you know, so succinct and so, you know, so wonderful. I, I remember, you know, my ski instructor uh, when I was a kid, he said, if you're not falling, you're not skiing, you okay. know, and there's no, there's no growth in comfort. Give yourself permission to try something new. Uh, understanding that you're probably not going to be good at it right away, that there's going to be experimentation. And she spent a lot of time on that. Experiment with different things. You know, give
1: yourself permission to try. It was very poignant for me. Another thing I like, too, is that, uh, you know, for leaders, okay, I'm I'm trying to lead a team where people are anxious or maybe I've got somebody in my family who's maybe struggling with some mental health issues. Um, Instead of, well, you should do this or that. Don't we all do that? You should really slap a smile on that face. She says, you know, what about talking and being more curious? Well, what's the experience like when you feel that way? Um, How does it affect your performance? Uh, Yeah, being more curious can really help us understand and create better connections with those who we care about who are going through some anxiety. Yeah, invite that conversation rather than dictate something. Say,
0: well, what, you know, what would work for you? You know, when you talked about, you know, being in that rut, I'm safe in the rut and so on, she said, you know, that's really, you've got to invite the explorer into your life, you know, explore something new. The other thing she talked about that I thought was really interesting, and you and I have talked about this almost ad nauseum, is the idea that women and millennials, you know, are held to a different standard or hold themselves to a different standard. And that we've just got to kind of take a deep breath Mm-hmm. And and say, look, sometimes good is good enough. Don't beat yourself up that everything wasn't perfect. Now, my right. last point is the um, or. It's got to be mm. this or that, you know. When you when you decide to do something, instead replace the or with and. It can be this and that. Again, yeah. inviting that explorer and curiosity into the into the uh, form. I
1: love that. Yeah, and, and um, so my last thought too was this idea of. Um, you know, the explorer versus the expert, um, you know, and I, I started thinking of all the things we're all angry about nowadays, whether it's vaccines or masks or this, that or the other or people's behavior. And she just said, look, what we we have to realize that people are afraid when yeah. they're putting their feet down, when they're they're so angry. Um, it's really coming from fear. And I think that's a great aha for all of us is that person who is who is so anti or so this, that or the other, They've got some fear and be patient, be curious, understand where they're coming from. It's hard sometimes, but things are changing and a lot of people are having a hard time adapting. And I think that was just really powerful for me. Yeah.
0: And then lastly, just give yourself permission to try one thing, just one thing. So I'm going to tell you what my one thing is, Adrian. I've been thinking about this for a long time. You know, Adrian, you and I both grew up in Canada and it occurred to me that my French is horrible. Like horrible, horrible, as we would say in New Jersey. So I'm going to sign up for a language course and learn how to speak French. I'm going to give myself ah. permission to do that, Andrew love that. You,
1: and I love, yeah. See, we do as executive coaching in our stakeholder center process. You tell others about it because then we hold you accountable in a way. Yeah, I was going to say, like, chicken with me on that and see how, see how yeah, I'm doing. Hey, we
0: always want to thank our producer, Brent Klein. Um, when you get the podcast, it's all polished and it's all great. Trust me, that's not what we send him. <laughs> he does a great mm-hmm. job in making sure that you know comes across as world class. To Christy Lawrence, who finds us our amazing
1: guests, and to all of you who listen in and give us a, a Bit of your time every week. If you like the podcast, please download it, share it. We'd also love you to join our online community, we thrive together.global, where we're creating a safe place to talk about anxiety and mental health at work. And of course, if you haven't yet pick up a copy of our best-selling book Anxiety at Work, available from Harper Business. And look, if you need a life guide, if you need some
0: help, our sponsor Life Guides is no better place to go than that. You know, look them up. And i am telling you, as, as, um, as a listener to our podcast, when you go to check out, just put in code 2422 and you get two months of free access. These are life guides that walk you through all of life stressors, you know, whether it be financial, with your family, at work, leadership development. They've got over 400 topics with experts to help you along the way. It's Life Guides, and we love them.
1: Thanks everybody for joining us and we'll see you again next week. Take care.